Number four. Race to the King. Thank you very much. 25th of June, 2016. If ever I'm lucky enough to be granted a reputation, then I would hope that it would be that one, I like to go out of my comfort zone. And two, I run on any surface, anywhere, at any time. The more challenging, the better. But that was not always the case. There was a time when I always stayed well within my comfort zone. Mollycoddled by playing it safe, I was a baby, swaddled in the ease of always running on road. Things are very different now. You will likely find me running three back-to-back marathons in the middle of winter, wearing a pair of charity shop shoes I found that stink like a badger urinated on them. But back in the summer of 2016, the summer of Drake's One Dance, apparently, having got caught up in the chaos of UK run chat and the chase for free race places, I had not run on trail before. Mud, in my opinion, was for the hippos. This was fast becoming a problem for me, because somehow I'd signed up for the 100k race to the stones in July. Yes, my fifth marathon would be a 100k trail ultra. Smart move, Darren. So naturally, I needed to gain some experience on running off-road. But I'm a city boy, and I've always lived in the middle of the middle of the middle of the concrete jungle. I didn't even have trail shoes at the time. And so, with a few others from the community also aiming to run their first ultra at Stones, I signed up for one of its two sister races, the Race to the King. Thank you very much. The month before, to give me a bit of a taster. Well, for one, I wasn't running all of it. The Threshold series of races are entry-level ultras. They kind of get poo-pooed by a lot of the ultra crowd. They see them as a bit too easy. They see them as too, I guess, entry-level. I mean, sure, you are looked after. There are checkpoints every 10k for the entire route with everything you could possibly need. All the food, all the drink, all the support... I mean, they are expensive too. There's expensive merchandise associated with them. And the cut-offs, they're they're very generous. I guess that's why they see them as entry-level. It's because they're accessible to all. But this was the reason why I was actually there. I needed accessible, because I had no idea what I was doing. Race to the King... Thank you very much. ...and Race to the Tower are double marathons that you can run all the way through in one go, 52 miles, or over two days camping overnight. Or, and this is what I did, you can choose one of the two days. I decided on running day one from Arundel along the undulating South Downs Way, skipping the finish at Winchester Cathedral and therefore missing out on seeing the eponymous king. It was an early start I seem to remember, much earlier than my road races, and involved catching a shuttle bus from the local train station to a farm in the middle of nowhere. My brain was half asleep and misfiring. I had decided, in my infinite wisdom, to wash out the reservoir for my hydration pack the night before. I'd used Milton tablets, the kind that you use to clean baby bottles if you're into that sort of thing. I'd used too many, and the whole thing tasted of chemicals. It was a disaster. And so I dispensed with it, and decided, last minute, to use a bottle of Coke and one of Lucozade. 
and I would fill them at the water stations virtually every 10k. The start was a little bit more fun than normal marathons for me. Um, Everyone looked the business with their buffs and hydration packs and hiking poles. Battle gear for the hours ahead. What you need to survive if you're running or walking 52 miles. The route map printed out. A first aid kit. A particular calorie count of food. Salt tablets. A charged phone with a race director's number on it in case of emergencies. It's a lot more serious than my road marathons. And so serious that Emma and Spencer and Jenny and Chelsea and I posed for a photo with our game faces on before it was time. And we were off. Never have I struggled more than in the first mile of Race to the King. Thank you very much. I fucking hated it. The trail shoes I had chosen were heavy and cumbersome. The ground underfoot wet and slippery. We crossed fields of long grass beaten down with trip hazards everywhere. One girl would break her arm. She did finish though, apparently. And only just having come back from a sprained ankle myself, I was overly focused on my footing. It meant I was not having a good time at all as Jenny Morris whizzed by. And then Spencer, who asked if I was okay after slowing down. I said, no, I was not having a good time at all. He offered to run with me, but I ushered him on. I needed to get over this in my own way, as I joined the running conga snaking its way through the countryside. What is it they say? If the plan doesn't work, change the plan, but never the goal. And then something happened. The broken-down grass of the fields, the hard chalk paths baked under the summer sun, made way for spongy trails beneath the cooling canopy of the woods. I picked up speed and managed to bash out a few kilometres at my normal running pace, zipping through the trees, dodging branches, and picking my way through the field of runners. Now, we'd be warned about the very changeable weather. There was such a high probability of lightning that the organisers sent an email out advising what to do when it strikes whilst you're out running. Apparently, you were supposed to lie flat in the middle of the road. Avoid trees. And now it was raining so hard that we were slipping all over the chalk path, up and down the muddy trails. Glad that we paid attention to the Mandrew Tree kit list and at least brought a waterproof jacket. After the rain showers subsided, there was a new enemy to face. Mud. The mud was something else. As far as I could tell, there were several sorts. There was the standard brown earth that's churned up by the runners ahead. It was mostly in the woods on the dark, narrow paths where you were worried about tripping over tree roots or stones and ending up in a sea of stinging nettles and thorns. Then there was the clay, and this is the stuff that was under the long grass. It was grey and thick and stuck to everything. It was slippery as hell and on the long inclines up between the trees. It had me doing my best Bambi on ice impression more than once as I clung to low-hanging branches to keep my footing. 
And then after a couple of long hill climbs and a tea break, Race to the King Thank you very much. was over before it really started. There was no one at halfway taking photos. No one to greet you. No crowds, no clapping. Nothing, really. You even had to go and find your own medal at the information tent. But I guess it was because this was halfway for most people. Those that were staying overnight and then running the other 26.2 the next day. And those that were going to run on through into the night. It did disappoint me. Because after all, it was only my fourth marathon. I did deserve that medal too. Although I do feel to this day that I did not do myself justice. Still, as I said at the beginning, I was wholly unprepared for this. And it was a wake-up call, which sometimes you need. You can't be arrogant. You can't be cocky. There were times I hated it. Times it was actually okay. Times I really questioned whether I could even complete Race to the Stones six weeks later. But I soldiered on. I drank a lot of tea through exhausting hills and climbing gates, stopping every 10k for a cake and a chat. But you know, it is entry level. When the weekend includes a double marathon, and you're asked what race you did, and you are just doing the marathon. You can't help but think, I just did the half. But even if that's the case, I did it. And somehow I was seventh male, which is kind of funny in itself. Thank you very much.